Welcome to CIO Leadership Live UK. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director, CIO Communities at CIO.com, and I'm very happy to welcome Rich Corbridge, Director General, Chief Digital Information Officer, Department for Works and Pensions, the DWP Digital. Rich, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your current role. Thanks ever so much, Lee. Yes, so as you said, I'm Rich Corbridge. I've been at DWP nearly six months now. Prior to that, um, lots of different CIO roles in, in quite different organizations. So Boots, the high street pharmacy and beauty retailer for four years, looking after innovation, looking after lots of change during the pandemic, and then really going after um, how did Boots change from a very much bricks and mortar, 2,300 stores to be a, an online retailer, which was a, a fantastic opportunity. Prior to that, lots of healthcare experience, so clinical research, the NHS. I looked after the whole of the Irish healthcare system for four years, which was brilliant, working out of Dublin, working to Leo Varadka and, and really being you know, at the cutting edge as Ireland tried to move from a, a paper-based healthcare system to a digital one. So lots of transformation experience and lots of big change stuff going on. Well, you have a fantastic background. I'm really uh, appreciate you joining us today, Rich. We've created this series to support technology leaders in their tech and leadership journey. So the first question, and I ask everyone this question, can you please tell us a little bit about your own career path and provide some insights or tips on that road path? Are there any lessons learned that you could share? Yeah, so it's interesting. I think I'm, well, I've met CIOs recently, actually, who also didn't go to university and do technology. But for a while there, I felt like I was a bit of a, an odd bod, somebody who didn't do technology at uni. So left uni and started doing tech roles, fell into lots of help from the NHS to become a support analyst, looking after the first time that primary care over here in the UK became connected to um, the, the hub of the NHS and how we started to exchange clinical res results through digital and then moved through different healthcare roles. I think for me, being brave enough to move from IT support where you were literally coding, where you were picking faxes up on a, a morning and looking at what was broken, moving into that sort of leading transformation, leading big programs across the NHS and then starting to build and build and build your knowledge of not not the technology tin and wires bit, but actually the impact that has on in NHS terminology on clinicians and patients and how do you engage those people. And I think that's where I really enjoyed my role in clinical research as well, was understanding what the things were we were doing that would benefit how clinical trials were run in the UK, how the time to start a trial would work and really bringing that, what's the business change and how do you make sure that IT, digital, the things that we do isn't part of this separate thing over here, but is actually part of our business. And I took that into Ireland and made sure that, you know, a very large technology organization became part of the health system rather than being this IT for IT in a different area, looking after the health system as it went through a, a massive cyber attack across all healthcare systems in Europe known as WannaCry and really going after making sure that we had something that now becomes known as chief clinical information officers, where we, we brought clinicians into our system to make sure transformation could be led. Leaving Ireland and then coming back to the UK and looking after a big hospital in, in the UK who built its own electronic healthcare record system. So really getting into the weeds of how do you sit a developer, a business analyst and a clinician next to each other to make sure that what they're building 
is for the good of the patient and the clinician and changes the journey of how healthcare is delivered was another lesson to, to really keep reinforcing that it's our business that we're part of and it's the end result is about transformation. And the, the amazing time at Boots, leading innovation, working with you know massive change during the pandemic. How do you try to protect revenue? How do you try and protect clinical practice in a pharmacy that people aren't really stepping into as a bricks and mortar and really pushing the boundaries of, of what is governance and what's necessary and what's actually needed as opposed to just what we've always done. And now six months into DWP, being able to look at this this huge organization that's here for the most vulnerable people in the UK and really look at how, how technology and data is so needed to make sure that all the processes that we have really support people in their most, most terrible times of need. Your career and background is amazing. And it's interesting that you say that you're just learning now that a lot of people didn't start in technology because that's what I find. I find most people didn't start in technology, but I've interviewed many who have started at the base of, especially in healthcare with the patient, uh, you know, or with um, the end user. And I think that that's such an important part of any part of business, but especially in the public sector. Um, and I really am hearing for you that continuous learning has been a real motivator for you from a leadership standpoint. It, it sounds like every step of the way you've enjoyed having to look at challenges, how to learn to, to make them better, um, face those challenges. I mean, that seems to be really coming through. You know, those relationships you create with with your leadership team, with your teams and the people that work with you is huge at Boots. There's 900 of us working across the whole world to try and make Boots as an organization better for its customers and for its colleagues. Here at DWP, there's five and a half thousand people working in digital and data trying to make sure that we offer every possible avenue of support for the most vulnerable people. And therefore, when you're looking at a you know, a colleague base that's so huge, learning new ways of engaging them and, and finding new ways to work together and, and steer people in the same direction is fascinating. I really thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, a lot of what you've spoken about is going to lead well into this next question, which is what I speak, when I speak with several CIOs, they really talk about the value and the knowledge gained working between sectors as, as key learning in their careers. Certainly you have, and, and you know, from what you're saying, it's been very impactful. Um, you've worked both in the public and private sectors and you've sounds like you've learned a lot from both. So could you provide some insights on how you've utilized your learning between the sectors? I think moving from healthcare and public sector into private, that was a, something of a shock to the system at first because they, they sort of the, the story that you're told in public sector is that public sector is slow, it's difficult, it's governed, et cetera. And then you go into an organization like Boots, which is a very big, old organization, over 170 years old. And actually it had very similar processes to public sector. And it was only during the pandemic that people started to really look at, do we need those processes and how quick can we go? And I think that was the most fascinating, was leaving public sector, going into private, not seeing this, hugely fast-paced organization but seeing one that was very careful was very much do no harm and then as the pandemic arrived really inwardly looking at how can we actually do stuff much more quickly what's necessary and now as i move out of private sector and come into a civil service role into public sector i'm trying really hard to make sure we do look again at how much of this governance is necessary how much do we need to do how fast can we actually go because 
we're looking down, you know, we're heading towards a cliff face for many, many systems because it is a, an aging estate as any large organization has now. And I want us to be able to go as quickly as we can um, without taking unnecessary risks, but as quickly as we can to do as much as possible. And I'm finding that the mindset here is so customer focused, is so much about how can we help people as very mission orientated. And that means people are willing to try those different levers to pull. And that you wouldn't believe how enjoyable that is. And the, the talent that's here, Lee, is, is phenomenal as people really want to do so much good for people. That's amazing. So it sounds like it is very mission driven and you're really looking at the end end result to support the person within yeah. your system, in, within the program that you're helping. So uh, that's a very interesting point of view and a motivator because so many individuals I speak with are working in corporations and they're looking at different stakeholders. But in this case, it really feels like the end user is your main, your main goal to creating digital transformations and solutions. Definitely. That outcomes focus that we really have ingrained into the whole organization. You know, what is the outcome that we're trying to give the, the person that's come for help or our colleague who's trying to offer help? That, that runs right through the whole of the system. Now. This is interesting. This leads into our next question is around innovation. But I, I want to share a story with you. I just interviewed Mark Schwartz. He is an author. Uh, but prior to being an author, he was the CIO under Obama for immigration security. And he tells this interesting story, which I, Mark, if you're listening, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but of how he was in his program as a CIO, they had a, a plan around their digital transformations and innovations that it was 18 months between start and the implementation of the project. So there was a whole plan. And one day he was in a shop somewhere watching the TV and news was on and his boss Obama was on the screen and he said, <laughs> we are going to process, you know, immigration is going to be a faster process. We're going to process individuals and in, we're going to do this transformation within 60 days. So his boss was on the screen saying 60 days and his team was thinking 18, 18 months. And he said, you know, we ended up having to do it, but we had to look at innovation of, of how we were going to approach that to make it happen. So you've worked in this incredible amount of like, incredible projects when i looked at your bio you've worked in ecom you've done drone development legacy to digital transformation solutions and so much more so i'd love to learn more like in your current role there's many factors i'm sure like data and cyber that impact your approach to innovation um just wondering how you do approach innovation with your tech teams to build solutions that support the customers and the clients yeah it's, it's a fascinating place to be in and the story is amazing i've had similar things happen where particularly in political roles where you know, the need to do things quickly is inspired by somebody setting a target that's a real stretch target. Yeah. I think what we're trying to do, particularly with AI and generative AI now, is to do a lot of test and learn, where we're looking at how do we invest small amounts against a, a set of guardrails that are really strong to test and learn inside our business in a careful, considered way so that we can begin to take that innovation and apply it elsewhere. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing is that if we do that and we do that alongside our business with them as the, the, the fulcrum point for everything that we're trying to do, rather than it be an IT thing, us saying, look at this innovative, cool stuff over here. Let's see whether it lands in the business. Actually, what's the business problem we're trying to solve? How, where's the efficiency we're trying to get? Or what's the customer journey we're trying to improve? Bring that into, you know, a room together and work through what are the things that are available to us. 
we've done some really amazing stuff in the last six months where you know using generative ai to be able to train a model that can spot vulnerability in a handwritten letter that's come into dwp and help the whole organization put that to the top of the list of people that we need to go and help at the, at high speed that alone is just a phenomenal experience of bringing together so many different parts of our amazing organization to to answer a problem that is is so impactful on on people that are out there and that's been you know that's becoming the poster child for how to do innovation let's get the guardrails set that maybe policy or political or just how we behave here set those but then inside those guardrails let's make sure that we can push the boundaries of what we would normally do and how we work together that is an incredible example that is just amazing that that you could you know use ai in that manner to create that a support for somebody in need. And I, you know, I mean, it just sounds incredible. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I really appreciate you joining me today for CIO Leadership Live, Rich. It's been really interesting speaking with you. No, it's been good to do. Really good fun. Thanks so much. And if you're interested in learning more about this interview or others, please don't hesitate to visit us at CIO.com with the front slash UK. Thanks again.